Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue. My name is Dan Rowland. So I'm joined this afternoon by John Townley. John, how's things? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Are you okay? Yeah, all good. I've just uh, a little bit of behind the scenes here. You sent me a picture just of the setup of what you see from your angle there. And <laughs> the shot you've got there, yeah, there's nothing in the background. It looks quite clean, looks quite tidy. Yeah. And you've got like a mic balance on books and just all everything thrown together. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, this is what this is what happens when we record from home, basically. So today's video is that we've made two lists of transfer targets. Now, this is all just a bit of hypothetical fun, basically. This isn't us saying this is going to happen or this is who Unai Emery wants. This is just you and me saying we've got some money to spend. This is what we would do. So as we know, Villa are shrouded in secrecy when it comes to transfer dealings. They keep things pretty close to their chest. As a supporter who's fed up of ITK accounts and cryptic tweets and the endless rumour mill, I quite like that. From a podcast point of view, that means we have to get creative sometimes and talk about other things. Um, and today's show is one of those times. So we're going to be looking at hypothetical scenarios. And I suspect if people enjoy this, we'll do a couple of these. So this episode is titled something like, we've got 150 million to spend and this is who we would sign for Aston Villa. We're going to talk through players that we'd sign. There's no limitations. If you want to spend 100 million on Jack Grealish, go for it. Want to spend 150 million on Harry Kane, go for it. You do what you like. So we're here just to have a bit of fun, open up different pathways of discussion and, and have a chat. My list of players, I'll limit myself by picking Premier League only players. Having seen your list, when I only recognise about two names, I thought I've got to pull out some names here that people are going to know. Uh, your list is players that we've not been linked with in the real life transfer market, bar one, I think. And that's kind of the rough format. So 150 million to spend, you can do what you like with it. I think I've got six players and you've got seven. And we're going to go through one by one um, and kind of pitch our why we would sign this player. And like I said, this is hypothetical. Take, it with, hypothetical. Big, take it with a big pinch of salt because some of my suggestions are wild, let's say. I'll go over to you first, though. Give me your, the first player on your list that you would like to sign with your um, fantasy <laughs> oh, <no>. cash. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, again, in our list, this isn't who Villa could or might sign. It's literally not that at all. It's just players who we are putting forward. If, if um, they do sign, we look ahead of the curve. My first position is goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Backup goalkeeper, by the way. We're not, I'm not going to sell M. Martinez to bump up my chance for Kitty. I've gone for Martin Dubravka of Newcastle. Okay. I can't lie. I did go in a... I was going down like a rabbit hole of Spanish goalkeepers you could potentially play backup who have had you know so many I, I don't know different statistics but I just settled in the end and thought oh, you know what can we do much better than Martin Dubravka as a as a backup goalkeeper probably not he was obviously United for the back end of last oh no the start of last season actually and then I think he actually requested to come back to Newcastle so I've no idea if he's actually available for transfer this summer because obviously Newcastle have Champions League football and he may potentially play a fair share of games. Um, just laughing because I know what's on my list later yeah. of my backup goalkeeper, which I don't want to do first because it's just silly, but we'll come to it later. Yeah, uh, two Premier League appearances last season and he recorded a positive post-shot expected goals minus goals allowed value, which is basically how many Fair times does a goalkeeper... Um, or how many goals he prevented, basically. To get a positive record out of games against Chelsea and Liverpool, who he played um, against for Newcastle last season, shows that he can still do it, um, even though he's 34. Good experience. And yeah, as I said, I don't think we could go too... I don't think we could do too much better than that, actually. Um, I'm sure Emery's probably got, as I say, some sort of Spanish backup keeper or a list of those that are going to sort of wow us all. I don't know. 
But um, yeah, I went with someone who who we all probably know. And if we're pricing them, I have no idea how much it cost either, but can't be any more than five million, can it? Yeah, I've, I've put price tags on my players, but some of them are much lower than they realistically would go yeah, for. But I've tried to round it to near 150 yeah, million. Yeah, I think both our budgets are well, 150 million budget, but we both spent less than that. So yeah, just. Um, I'm already looking at my list now going, he'd be worth 40 million in real life. So, I'm, yeah, not quite right. Uh, I've basically fudged the numbers to make it work into 150. Uh, I won't do my goalkeeper because I want to save that to a little bit later. Okay, first up on my list then. Like I said, my list is Premier League only players. So, no, no kind of wild cards like yours. I've got Aaron Wambisaka at, at right back and I've put 20 million. Probably not enough, but you know, like I said, I've had, so. had to work the numbers out to uh, to fit the format. I like I like him, and I think he would suit Emery's style of play. As I was doing the, the research for this video, I've actually got who scored stats here, by the way, which is massively unlike me. But as part of my research, was also I watched the highlight reel of Wan Bissaka for Man United, and it's like one of those fancy edits, and he looked amazing on that. Good pace, good tackling, one on one defending in that video specifically looked very good. Um, I wrote down twenty five years old, thinking that was like a plus over Matty Cash, and then realised that Matty Cash is also twenty five years old. For some reason, I felt like he was older. Wan Bissaka shares a birthday with me. 26th of November. So that's a plus point for him. That's why he's on this list. Matty Cash had 300 more minutes played than Wambasaka last season. Neither scored a goal. Uh, Cash had one assist, which um, it's not great, is it, for your, for your uh, fullback to only register one assist? None for Wambasaka, though. Whoever it is, I would like them to get more than one assist over the course of a season. Six yellows for Cash, three for Wambasaka. So maybe he's slightly more disciplined as another plus point. Uh, slightly better pass percentage um, and aerial duels won for Wambasaka, uh, a rating of 6.85 versus 6.54 for Cash. So the who scored al- algorithm rates Wambasaka slightly higher than Cash. And I think he would be a good addition if this was to come to fruition. I think he costs slightly more than 20 million, um, so. given what Man United would like for him as a 25-year-old. But am I right in thinking that he kind of fit that, oh, yeah. that style of play? Yeah, he's definitely someone that I had on my list before I narrowed it down. Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Because, yeah, yeah, he's probably the best um, one-on-one right back in the world, I think. I can't think of a better one. Bloody hell, I almost spat my tea out then. Really? Oh, I, I, anyone he comes up against... Carl Walker? Ask him. Recovery speed for Walker is the best, I think. But in terms of a 1v1, if you're trying to get past Aaron Wan-Bissaka, he won't let you... <laughs> There's... He's got those sort of like spider legs that even if you were to get past him, it will recover. He's obviously got limitations in his game going forward, but in some respects, I think he's almost underrated in a way. Like I think with Anthony, who's at United at the moment on the right wing, he's got a really good link with him and he doesn't have to kind of bomb on to make chances and swing balls into the box. He does it in a different way. He'll create space Mm -hmm. for his teammates to play in, basically higher up the field. So... I think he's a very underrated player and he's had a couple of tough years at United, but he recently has shown that he's still the player that they bought um, for a lot of money from Crystal Palace. So, yeah, I, honestly, I think if he comes up against any winger or most wings in world football, then they'd really struggle to, or they have struggled to get past him. And I don't have the stats to hand because I didn't uh, look at them, but he, is, he tops all the lists in terms of um, successful tackle percentages and whatnot. So, yeah, certainly a player that I think would do a job for us, you know, in a way that Emery um, sets out his team. Where do I feel vindicated in picking him, knowing that you would have picked him as well and that you've got some stats to back up that he would be a good addition. So, for oh, yeah. some reason, that satisfies me. Do you want to give me another name on your list? I'll try to. Uh, <laughs> but my 
right back, obviously, we only have Matty Cash in the squad at the moment that can play right back. Constant can mm. fill in, and I think actually Constant very well when he's played right back. My right back of choice is a 22-year-old Dutch international called <laughs> Lutz Harald Geertrouder. And I know what you're thinking, Dan, why am I going safe? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, so... Geertrouder is the right-back for Feyenoord. Feyenoord won the uh, Eredivisie last season under, I believe it was Arne Slot, who Tottenham were trying to appoint as their new manager before they got Ange Postacoglu. But Geertrouder, for me, has all of the... I'm, I don't doubt a lot of people might not know who he is, and I've kind of made up a name here, but he has all of the... He is the right profile for this Emery mm. team, at least how he played last year, because... I'm sure here there'll be tweaks next season that maybe um, you know the team that comes out next year might not play exactly how it played uh, last year. So, but what we do know is that Moreno will stay high, high and wide on the left, um, flying up and down, playing as a winger, and the right back will probably be asked to shuffle around, creating that back three, or maybe Kamara will drop back, and um, the right back won't be so you know disciplined. I have no idea, but Gertrude can play. As a centre-back, he can play as a holding midfielder, but for the majority of last season, he played as a right-back. Um, so he's really versatile. As I say, he won the league. He's really young. There's plenty of room for progression. Um, and he would fit that mould. Uh, he recorded the second-best tackle success rate in the league last season, at 87% uh, in the area of Izzy, that is. And then that's mm-hmm. better than uh, Urian Timber, who's, I believe, signing for Arsenal, or at least they want him. In terms of the stats, he, he reflects very similar to Geertrouder. In terms of Geertrouder's passing as well, he completed over 90% of his passes, which was the second highest in the division, which for a right-back is pretty good. And also 193 passes into the final third. That's the 10th most of any player in the division last season too. So again, to do that from the position that he's in, it means that he can step out with the ball, step into midfield, is comfortable to play in possession. And defensively, as I say, he won the second most um second best tackle success rate in the division. He can he can do everything I think that Emery wants from that player. Twenty two years old, Dutch again, how many Dutch players have succeeded in the Premier League? There's a lot of them. So yeah, for me I think that'll be a really astute signing, especially given that some reports are saying that he's about twenty million tops. So Barcelona and Dortmund are also interested in him, but um, I don't think there's anything concrete or sort of advanced with it. So, um, yeah, for me, he stands out above a lot of possible right backs as a player that could certainly fit into what Emery wants. Yeah, I was really proud of myself when I found that one. (laughs) Just to clarify, you mentioned there's no links, concrete links with Dortmund and Barcelona in real life. Anyone that might have maybe skipped through the intro or found this through a clip or anything, you're not saying there's a, a, a link with Villa either. No, this is a hypothetical no, no, scenario. No, no, no. Somebody you've identified and thought he'd be good. I'm going to go with centre-half now. And I I want you to say yours as well. So we can just kind of battle it out versus each other. Okay. Basically, yours is... Pau Torres. <laughs> exactly. Someone who has been linked in real life. So I don't want to do loads and loads of talk on him. My one in my hypothetical uh, transfer window is Nathan Collins. I've put 25 million. When he signed for Wolves, right. he, he went for 20 million. So... Mm-hmm. They'd probably want a bit more than that. I like him. He's, he's very well respected by our, our colleagues at work at Stoke and, and Wolves, a real talented player. 22 years old, so a player that's got time to kind of develop a career and not come in with expectations of being first choice. So this is my approach to a centre-half, basically, that I think Mings and Concer, this is real life now, have been very, very good. And unless you're going to go to a back three, I don't see either of those two being displaced from the start yeah. of the season. You've got Diego Carlos, who's, who's come in with good pedigree, 
but we're, we're yet to see how his recovery from the injury affects his long-term kind of future. But there's three very good centre-halves there. I struggle to see a, a scenario where Villa have four like genuinely very good centre-halves, knowing that if you're playing a back four, two of them aren't going to play every week. And I know it's a squad game and there's going to be rotation and whatnot, but centre-half is a place that you don't want to be chopping and changing every week that Pau Torres plays one week and then Tyron Mings plays the next week. Like You want to create you, like a unity at the back. So I've gone with Collins as somebody who is a very he's a good player now, but at 22, as centre-halves go into the mid-30s, one for the future kind of thing. And as much yeah. as, yes, you're spending £25 million on him to come in and be third or fourth choice, I think that that's how you build a squad. Yeah, I certainly buy that. Um, I think the key thing for Emery is that he views every position as upgradable, not in a yeah. disrespectful sense, but he wants literally two players for each position. And if he sees... Um, the left side of defence is that important in terms of our build-up phase, then maybe a right-footed player can't play there. And that's mm. why we obviously we want to sign Paul Torres. And as we speak currently at five to four on <laughs> a Tuesday afternoon, um, Villa want to get that deal done. Um, it's about finding an agreement with Villarreal. As far as we mm. know, we don't know if he... If, um, uh, Paul Torres would accept uh, coming to Villa. We are obviously given him, it would give Villa a big boost now that we have Emery um, and it'd be able to reunite with him. But there's interest from other clubs as well, Bayern Munich too. So we'll see how that one progresses. But that progresses, sorry, but that would be a, a real top um, coup for Villa to get yeah, a player of his quality for probably 35 million or under. I think it's one of those where Villa look at it and think, well, is left-sided centre-back the position where Villa have the strength from right now and is that a priority? No, it isn't. But then at the same time, if this level of player comes, you can't wait for these deals to happen. You, you, you need to get them while you can um, yeah. sort of thing. So like Telemans, I suppose, having him on a free is a great addition. Do we? Was it Paramount that we brought in a midfielder? Possibly not, but um, but there you go. So yeah, Torres is my uh, pick. Again, not clearly linked with him just because I think it makes perfect sense if we want that left-sided centre-back because say we have Carlos and Conza, left side would be Mings and another centre-half. Um, yeah. The top centre-back, seventh most passes in the fi- into the final third in La Liga last season, 197 progressive passes, which again for a centre-back is really good. And his defensive numbers stood up really well too. Sixth most clearances and the third most progressive carrying distance of the ball, um, which stacks up well against Mings's uh, numbers as well in the Premier League. It would be a brilliant addition if we could do it. I don't know how it would yeah. work out with him, Mings, concert Carlos, but it's a good headache, I suppose, if, if you're Emery. You want two players per position. You've got Luca Dean, Alex Moreno. Um, if we would sign Paolo Torres, all of a sudden you've got real... Um, strength in depth for your defence, adding mm. another right back to in midfield, you've got that. And then obviously it's adding a bit more uh, at the top of the pitch as well. And that's, that's your summer window, basically. So yeah, yeah, all of a sudden Villa will be coming out of the summer window in a really healthy position if they can get their, uh, you know, some of their top targets. In regards to transfers, and this is slightly off topic from the, the discussion we're having here at the moment about kind of fantasy transfers, fantasy transfers, I should say that sounded like fantasy transfers. When Emery first came in, I think we had to adapt as fans a little bit to how we play football now and that we're kind of progressing into a, a different style and a more maybe modern approach than we're maybe used to. I kind of feel like we're almost guilty of the same when it comes to transfers that you know, I'm saying this from my own personal point of view that we've just spoken about that, well, why are we signing Pau Torres? We've got Mings and Conza that they'll play every week and that's probably not the the mindset to have to a squad game anymore that it, 
it's not as simple as just saying that Womings and Conte have played very well, so it's their shirt to lose for the next 38 games in the in the Premier League and 15 games in the Conference League or, or whatever it would be if Villa went all the way in, in cup competitions. If you've got Torres, Carlos as backup and Conte and Mings as first choice, and for the audio listeners, I'm putting that in air quotes, I don't think it's as simple to say that anymore that somebody is a backup and somebody is, somebody is a starter. It's just that whoever is the best player at that specific time or the best player for a specific opponent is the player that gets selected. And it's not that Pau Torres or Diego Carlos comes in to replace Mings and then will play the next 30 games after that. It's that, well, maybe he was more suited to that and it's a squad game and there'll be there'll be, there'll be chops and changes. Yeah, I just think yeah. specifically against that point, there is that thing of having centre-backs playing together and a defence playing together yeah. throughout a season and having uh, chemistry together. But it's about having a squad of, of 20, 25 players, not just 11 or not just two or three substitutes. It's having a strong unit of 18 or 19 that can all be chopped and changed and, and yeah. bought in. And that's something I think that we as fans probably need to get used to over the next 12, 18 months. Yeah, I've always said it when, or a couple of years ago, you'd look at Everton's team or Tottenham's team or other clubs and you'd look at their bench and think, oh, wow, look at all those options. How do you keep all those players happy? And, you know, when do they get their moment to shine? And that's something that we aren't really um, used to having. For example, if Mings was on the bench for a game next season, you'd like to think that Villa fans wouldn't be in uproar because, well, Power Torres is playing and Mings will get his chance in the Europa Conference League game or in, or in the game coming up because as you say, Dan, you need solutions for each opponent that you're facing and we'll get onto it later in our transfer wish list. <laughs> but especially in those forward positions, you need different options and as I say, different tools to break down different teams and that works mm. again for the defence as well. While you need those relationships, there's no reason if we're playing 50 games next season, then if each of them is playing 25 games or maybe more, that it's a lot of still a lot of football you just need a big squad um and you want them to buy into that kind of that, yeah. that unity amongst the squad that yes i might only only be playing 20 games but i'm part of something bigger exactly. than that i'm part of this kind of family this group that i yeah. contributed towards some kind of success yeah um I just brought up something that I wrote a couple of weeks ago and it was that Monchi spent 100 million euros on 29 players excluding loans and Emery's three years at Sevilla, which is about 3.5 million per player. But that's not really the point. The point is that he spent money on 29 players in three years and he signed a lot of players on loan as well, at least 10. So that's 40 plus players in three years. I know mm. maybe in Spain they... I don't know, maybe they sign a lot more players than Premier League clubs, I've no idea. But that proves that Emery is more than happy by you know, bringing in plenty of players as long as they're the right fit for him and he can mould them in a team and in yeah. a squad and he can set that environment that allows them to all be comfortable in, in different roles that they have, then that's okay. It's just that I think, yeah, for, for us fans, we probably look at it and think, oh, we don't want to sort of overkill it um, and have players unhappy. And it's like, well, that, that doesn't have to be the case. If Villa are doing well and you're part of that, then that's the journey you've signed up for. So, a player similar to that conversation in real life is that Yuri Tielemann signs and we're all going, where does yeah. he fit in? Who does he replace? Exactly. It's, it's not as simple as who does he replace? He's part of a squad now that is better than it was six weeks ago. And I'm keen to get on with the rest of our list. So I, I'm, I, I fear we're running out of time slightly. A similar player that I will make the same argument about here is for a midfielder I've picked, Amadou Inanna from, from Everton. There we go. Yeah. Um, where does he fit in? This holding midfielder. We've got Kamara. We've got you Louise. Me. We need squad depth, mate. We need some. We need people in there. Big, strong player. Twenty-one years old. Massive potential. I think. I don't know where I've got this figure from, but I've got Everton paid thirty-five million for him. I've put with we're signing him for forty. 
probably a little bit on the, on the lower side of what Everton would like. 29 starts for Everton last year, but let's face it, he can do better than better than Everton. Possibly not the best passer of the ball, but wins the ball back and moves it on to the more technical players. And whilst he's only 21, he's got room to develop and, and get better on the yeah. ball himself. Belgium international as well, which is worth noting. Um, so Tielemans, Link, they might be mates. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Anana, 40 million. He's, uh, <laughs> he's one for me. Yeah, really nice player and a really good pick. Again, I just don't know if <laughs> if forty millions uh, in the right ballpark and whether he'd. It's going to sound mad whether he'd actually leave Everton. I think he came out with a statement or something saying that he doesn't want to leave them. And I think Chelsea wanted to sign him. Of course, Chelsea wanted to sign him. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah this another, is hypothetical scenarios, mate. In this course, scenario, yeah, yeah, he does yeah. want to leave. It's a hypothetical price tag as well. <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> I think we're talking about a midfielder mainly because there's questions over Dendonka's future, which I think is a bit harsh, actually. Whenever he's come in, I actually think he's been really good. Um, yeah. But this is Emery's team, so we'll see how that plays out. You're looking at Tielemans, Louise and um, Kamara, plus another midfielder. And I don't think it's... <sighs> I don't think it's like a particularly major position for us to be signing a player. Like I know we're obviously interested in Tyler Adams, um, mm. which I think is a good fit in terms of what we want, in terms of a player who can win the ball back. Um, so I did a bit of digging around and I wanted to add a bit of a bit of experience and a player who could kind of come in as a leader. We've obviously lost Ashley Young. We've lost Danny Ings as well over the last few months and we've lost uh, Jed Steer. So we lost a bit of leadership in the dressing room. So I thought, <laughs> let's sign a 33-year-old <laughs> or 30, 33 in August, actually. Uh, he's a Brazilian midfielder from Lille. Um, he's called Benjamin Andre. Again, I don't expect too many people to recognise the name or the player. He's been at Lille for about four years now. So some of the stats he was putting out last season were ridiculous. So basically, if you want a player that's going to win the ball back, or at least based off last season, a player that's going to win the ball back in midfield and then push it forward <laughs> into the forward positions, <laughs> Benjamin Andre is your man. So uh, passes into the final third. He completed 297 of those last season, which of all players in Europe's top five leagues, so Bundesliga, Serie A, Premier mm-hmm. League, only one player had or produced more passes into the final third than Andre. So what, progressive the top pass- five leagues? Yeah. Okay, nice. Who was the one player? Is it De Bruyne? I'll be honest, I don't know. I didn't tell no. that out of my notes. It's probably Amadou and Arna, to be fair. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> progressive passes, fourth most in Europe at 309. Uh, tackles, Second in Europe, 128. Tackles one third in Europe, 74. uh, And only three players tackled more dribblers, if that makes sense. Um, Mm. You know, the the face. So he's literally in like the 99th percentile of passes, progressive passes and winning the ball back. Uh, Jao Polina would have been tackles. Yeah. um, Because, yeah, we we all know about him. Um, How much are you playing for this 33-year-old? I can't see too much. Uh, this is half the reason why I think it'd be a good deal because I don't think we'd be paying any more than 10 or so million because, again, the stats are fantastic, but ultimately, Benjamin Andre isn't a you know a world beater. He's 33 in August, to say. Um, he's been at the club for like four years. I don't think they could sort of begrudge him if he wants a new challenge, the final challenge of his um, career, I presume it would be. He's got three years left on his deal, to be fair, but you can't be ordering like 20 mil plus for a 33-year-old, can you? So, yeah, he wins the ball and moves it forward. Fifth most touches in league on as well. So, yeah, based off that, I think it'd be really astute addition, um, depending on what Lille say in terms of a price tag. <laughs> but they're a selling club, aren't they? And as are most teams in Europe, to be fair. So I think mm. if we could get a, an older player off their books um, for a bit of money, then fair enough. I, I'm with you. I'd, I'd always like to sign younger players, but I just thought that one in particular kind of, you know. Tickled your fancy. 
that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. So <laughs> that's my uh, just to add to my midfield depth. Um, yeah. Yeah. Based off last season, if he could replicate that for Villa, then yeah, fantastic. I got three players left, and actually went with another midfielder again. I've still got a large chunk of my budget left. After just probably. saying that we probably don't need another midfielder, you're signing two. Well, yeah, I mean, this is if Dane Donker um, okay. departs, which I think would be a bit, a bit unfortunate. But if he does, then I think we need someone else to hold that um, add depth to the double pivot. I view him as two different roles, and then yeah, 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 yeah. Ramsey McGinn. And to be fair, I don't think there's too much else there. I know you could put Bailey and Buendia in those positions, but I thought with £20 million, you could sign um, <laughs> Southampton's Carlos Alcaraz. I think he's a really good player. And I just thought, again, relegated reports saying that Southampton would take about £20 million. <clears throat> He's a really raw talent, uh, but I think Henry could fine-tune him into something, something quite special. He's energetic. He's got that needle about him. He's fearless mm. in and out of possession. Four goals, two assists in 12 starts for Southampton last season. Obviously, only joined him in January from, I think, racing or racing in Argentina. He wouldn't be playing every game, but for his development, it might just be as important for him to be learning off someone like Emery um, mm. and just playing every week for, I don't know, uh, Brentford or something who actually might, might be a good move for him. But... I was say, that sounds all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but any other club, I don't know. Adds to the South American contingent as well. I just had some funds mm. to play with and thought instead of boosting my striker to like a £60 million signing, which Villa might not make, I thought Carlos Alcaraz would be a really nice little pick. I think he's a really good play, especially in that Arsenal game that was live. Um, I have watched him more than once before comments start bashing me. Um, <laughs> but that, that was like the perfect sort of uh, demonstration of what he's capable of. And yeah, a young player, a raw player, but someone that Emery, I think, could mould into, a, you know, some really good. So I've got two left. I've, I've realised that neither of mine are an out-and-out striker. I've got kind of wide players, but if we're playing okay. the same, same kind of system, both of these could yeah. play off Watkins in that kind of shadow striker role or whatever they call it these days. Actually, I've got three left because I haven't done my first one. I've at the very start. I forgot, but that will be a very quick one, my backup goalkeeper. Um, a real-life link here for me, an easy one, Harvey Barnes. Uh, he's now been doing the rounds for weeks. I really like him. The goal that he scored against us at their place, that kind of brilliant first touch, bringing the ball down from the sky off the off the goal kick or the centre half, powerful run and then a strong uh, right footed finish past the post or off the post, and um, past Martinez. That goal in isolation, that's what we need. <laughs> we need mm. a bit of that. We need yeah. an outlet. We need a runner. We need someone who's going to carry the ball and someone who's got a, a, a good um, a good finish on him as well. So somebody a bit more reliable, basically. Than, for example, I don't want this to seem like I always dig him out, but Leon Bailey. If he goes through that exact same period of play that Barnes does in that goal against Villa, I don't back Bailey to score it. So I want Barnes against Villa in that game at the King Power. I want that to come and play for us, basically. Um, so Barnes, I've got 35 million, which seems to be the figure, again, that's, that's doing the rounds at the moment. Yeah, um, it'll be no more than that, I think. I wouldn't have thought so. But yeah, that, that boosted my overall transfer spend nearer the the one fifty budgets. I thought I'll give them that because I've obviously underestimated a couple of other players. So Harvey Barnes, thirty five million. Let's have it. We all know why Villa are interested in Harvey Barnes and clearly Emery wants to add a, you know a winger to his squad this summer and he gives us something that we don't have that sort of explosive explosive mm. speed direct um it's a goal threat as well. So yeah, I'd, I'd back that signing down. I think it'd be really really good business from Villa. I've gone with, it's difficult because Villa have been, have gone after a couple of wings already. The feeling is that 
Nico Williams will probably remain at Athletic Club this summer, whether he signs a new contract or not. We don't know yet. Villa obviously tried for him in January, tried for him again this summer, and he appears unwilling to join. But Villa obviously want to sign a winger of that profile. Um, Harvey Barnes, Nico Williams, they've they had an ambitious, or they've tried to um, move for Chiesa of Juventus as well, um, which would have been a lot of money. So it's difficult because I don't, I'm not saying it would be the most glamorous signing in the world. Um, but a player that I think could give some sort of similarity to that would be Marcus Edwards of uh, Sporting. Hmm. Again, he's not, he's not playing in a, in a in sort of a big five league as such. But in terms of the profile, I think it would just about work out. There aren't many wingers in uh, in Europe that can play like Nico Williams um, or the players that Villa have been looking at. I'd go with Marcus Edwards. Progressive carries five of them per ninety last season. Again, you've got to kind of take it with a pinch of salt because it's the Portuguese league. But there's a lot of good players that come out of the Portuguese league. Free take ons per ninety, which was the same as Williams. Obviously, two different uh, leagues. Shot creating actions five per ninety. All of these for Edwards, um, and he was better than Williams in terms of his progressive numbers, progressive passes. He was he's more of a potentially more of a direct threat again in a different division, a uh, different league, but he's um, certainly a, a player that I've been really impressed by whenever I've watched him. Three years left on his deal. He's got a big release clause, but I don't think they could command, like, I think it's about 50 million. Um, I think 30 million would probably get Marcus Edwards. To my final attacking player then, I've gone Wilfred Zahar on a three, yeah. which is probably a strange one for me, seeing as I've moaned about him on the podcast for about three years in a row now. Yeah. He winds me up. I really dislike his moaning to the referees. I dislike that he goes down easily, but that's largely due to the fact that he's an opposition player. I think it's time for me to, to mature a little bit and, and realise that if he was in the Villa side doing those things, I'd probably quite like it. I'd like that he was winding opposition crowds up and opposition players up. It's a free transfer. Wages are probably a touch higher than I would like to pay a 30-year-old. Take, but at least can't of, get his transfer wrong this time. Yeah, that kind of happens, doesn't it, with a free transfer. They get an overinflated wage packet or signing on bonuses and all those kind of things. But yeah, let's give him a go. Emery wanted to sign Zahar Arsenal as well. Um, yeah. instead of Pepe uh, which was obviously a bit of a disaster I think that so, probably would have been a good move to be honest so yeah Zaha's obviously a player that Emery likes whether he thinks he'd fit into this team or not I don't know um, there hasn't actually been any concrete links with us to him but huh. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a player that we're looking at or have been looked or have been looking at but then for Zaha he could probably be playing um, one of Champions League football for a club in Europe or earning a lot of money. Certainly would be a good addition and playing in that role, yeah, that second striker sort of position. I've gone with, uh, again, something a bit, a different profile because I feel like if we add the players um, that I've said, then, and plus we have Buendia, we have Bailey, we have different options that can all do those sorts of roles. What I don't think we have is a striker that can, um, you know, take the ball, uh, relieve pressure, um, you know, back to goal, hold up play, that sort of stuff. Hmm. Uh, and for that, I've shortlisted Mediterranean of Porto, who I think is always linked with transfers over the last few years, but nothing ever seems to come off for him. <laughs> um, he's got 12 months left on his deal at Porto, and I don't think you'd be paying any more than 25, 20 million for him. Hmm. Uh, he just scores goals and a lot of them. <laughs> Again, it's in the Portuguese league, but that's a natural um, natural ability to put the ball in the back of the net. He had 30 goal contributions in 33 games last season, which is still remarkable, whatever division you're playing in. Yeah. But yeah. I said whatever division. The Portuguese league, it gets a lot of 
you know, a lot of sort of snobbery, but ultimately, as I say, a lot of players come out of the division who are then suddenly the best players in the Premier League or in other leagues. So, yeah, a lot of goal contributions, a lot of goals, 22 goals last season in the league, but then also seven goal involvements in seven uh, Champions League games as well. So, a player that isn't like a flat-track bully, he's, he can do it against good opposition too. He always plays well in the World Cup and for Iran as well. I was, or he's always putting himself uh, putting himself about. Um, and yeah, I just think it would be a, a sensible transfer, really. He's nearly six foot two, 30 years old, good experience. He's a bit of a throwback. Yeah, joined Port in 2019 and he's never not scored more than 20 goals in a season. So yeah, it's just a player that doesn't have to play every game. But if you need something different on the 60th minute or if you need mm. to defend your box in the 60th minute onwards, you can bring on Taremi and I'm sure he'd make an impact. And I think that's something that Villa don't have. You can bring on Cameron Archer next season. Um, but I think that's not necessarily like for like for Watkins, but in terms of that role and you know standing yeah. between posts and making those runs, they are quite similar. But Taremi just gives you something different, whether that's, mm. say, even de- a defensive um, responsibility. I just think it would be a good sign. And I think that puts my budget at about 130 million. I'm, I'm quite pleased with that. Right. So we're on to my last pick now and the last pick of this hypothetical video. My current spend at the moment is 120 million. So I'm 30. I mean, again, I've probably underrated this on mine, <laughs> but that's what I've got so far. Yeah. I've got 30 million left to spend. And I realised that we need a backup goalkeeper. Now, my restriction I put on myself was that I'm only going after Premier League players because I knew that your list was going to feature some players from across the continent. So I wanted to be in mine all from the Premier League. I was looking through the second choices at Premier League clubs, thinking, oh, can I just take Man City's second choice or Crystal Palace's second choice or whatever? And so let's have them for two million. And, and I just thought, I don't fancy that. My pick <laughs> is it's just funny, basically, and it'll wind up the right people if they stumble upon this video. I've gone for Nick Pope for 30 million, which takes my budget up to 150. I've spent every penny. And Nick Pope, he's not going to get in over Remy Martinez. He can come in and be back up. And my thinking here was that let's go at it from a different angle and weaken an opposition. I wasn't going to go and pick up like Southampton's reserve goalkeeper or something silly like that. I'm going to weaken Newcastle by taking Nick Pope to Aston Villa, not play him. He'll be behind Emmy Martinez anyway. The 30 million, Nick Pope, just because it's funny. If Newcastle fans stumble upon this video or if this gets clipped for social or something, it's going to wind up the right people, which is, again, another box ticked for me. So, yeah, that's my final signing. Nick Pope to be back up to Martinez to weaken Newcastle and take my budget up to 150 million spent. So to conclude then and round up our transfer windows, our hypothetical transfer windows, like we said at the start, this is not what we're saying Aston Villa will do. It's what we would like to do in this fantasy world. I've got Nick Pope in goal for 30 million. Aaron Wambasaka at right back for 20 million. <laughs> Nathan Collins at centre-half for 25 million. Uh, Amadou Anana for 40 million. Harvey Barnes for 35 million. And Wilfred Zahar on a free. Do you want to run through yours, John? Yep. So goalkeeper Martin Dubravka for about five million. Prices are probably going to be different. Um, right back Lutz Harold Gertrude, <laughs> Paul Torres give or take thirty million. Benjamin Andre give or take tw- uh, ten million. Carlos Alcaraz twenty. Marcus Edwards thirty. And Mediterrani seventeen. Again, two very different lists, and I'd love to actually combine ours. To be fair, yeah, we, we, we probably you know putting two brains together sort of thing but i think we gave a good a good sort of holistic view of of the of the european transfer market there <laughs> yeah exactly uh let us know in the comments who had the best transfer window there me or john <laughs> also 
let us know your suggestions. There'll, there'll be players out there that in a hypothetical world you'd love Aston Villa to sign. I'll do the yeah. tweet saying you could sign any player. Budget is irrelevant. Real life is irrelevant. And people saying Haaland, Messi, Mbappe, things like that, as you'd expect. But a lot of players that Villa have been linked to, players like Pedro Gonçalves, sort of how, how good he would be for us. So let us know in the YouTube comments down below who you would sign if you had a, a fancy transfer list. It'd be nice to do a throwback here to our football manager days and like sign these players for Villa and do like a simulation and see who has the better side. If I can find the time, I might actually try and do that. Uh, John, thanks for your time and your research as well for actually taking this silly video seriously. Um, Like I said at the very top, I think if people enjoy this, there's other kind of avenues we can take this hypothetical scenario angle down as well and it gives us something different to talk about. Um, We'll be back uh, later in the week with an exclusive interview with Alex Butler uh, former Masseur at Aston Villa, who was there from 2007 to 2020. And um, so keep an eye on that. Subscribe to Carlton Blue. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you soon.